Hi, welcome to the Deep Podcast. We would like to thank you for listening and welcome you to our first episode and sermon. My name is Daniel Williams, and I am here with my father, Mark Williams. If you have not read about our podcast already, this podcast is about the mission to share and help people understand the gospel. This will be the this will be done in the sermon format and with a conversational spin, and we'll cover things such as apologetics, the good news of Jesus Christ, Christian cultural interpretation, and matters concerning all Christians. We will try our best to be a podcast that both believers and non-believers alike can look to for important biblical interpretation. Young or old, we aim to help fulfill the calling of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will introduce ourselves and get right to the message. Dad, thanks for doing this with me. We can start with you. Thank you, Daniel. Um, This is obviously a a real privilege for me to get to do this with my oldest son. Um, My name is Mark Williams. Um, I spent several years as a pastor, grew up as a missionary kid and a pastor's kid, and one of those rare ones that actually um, followed his parents into ministry. Um, uh, My wife and I have four kids. Uh, Daniel is the oldest. We have three boys and a girl in that order. Um, And though I'm not actively pastoring anywhere right now, um, I've been a professional in the workforce uh, for the last 12 years or so, uh, supporting my family and also trying very hard to live a missional lifestyle with those around me, where I am a person that can uh, share the gospel with people when God presents the opportunity in everyday life. Um, That's very much what I see my mission to be and to help support churches that do that. And um, we uh, have been helping when we can with church plants over the last 12 years. Uh, It's a joy for me to get to do this. As I said, uh, Daniel, my oldest son, and uh, he and his uh, new bride um, are out of our house. And this is a real opportunity for me to to get to hang with him and, and talk with him on a regular basis about stuff I love to talk about and that I'm thrilled to get to talk about with my oldest son. How many dads get that? Daniel? Uh, yeah, um, I'm Daniel, as you've heard. I am currently a university student, um, newly married. Uh, we are, I'm not going directly into ministry like my dad. Uh, but with this, I hope to bring a different perspective. Uh, one, I am actually in the political science realm. Um, and I want to bring a perspective for those looking to help understand how their Christian faith works within their lives. Uh, and it's been something that I've been, have faced recently a lot with a lot of my classes, even at my school. Um, working... Me and my wife are we've known each other for five years, and we got married almost six months ago. Funny enough, um, which is crazy already. Um, and time has moved super fast. And this has been a new thing for me, working towards using what I know for uh, the mission of God and what I can do for you guys. So, thank you for listening. Uh, Dad, you want to open us, up, open us up in prayer? Sure. Father, we thank you first and foremost always for the gift of your son, Jesus. And um, we know no better place to start what we're doing than to talk about him and what he came to do for us. Uh, please bless our conversation tonight. Uh, bless our time together um, as those who would listen to this later. Um, may they be inspired to love you more deeply um, to know you more deeply and to be uh, grateful and in, empowered because of the work of your son on our behalf. Uh, we're uh, 
thankful for giving us the opportunity in this day and age to be able to do these kinds of things. And uh, may you use this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, I'm in starting this kind of stuff off. Uh, I have a, a fun question, uh, Daniel, for you that, uh, uh, you know, uh, dads uh, can, this could be a dangerous question for a dad to ask a son. What's the, what's the hardest thing you feel like you've ever, you've ever had to do? Um, we, we have our, uh, just so everybody knows, we have our outlines written and for this, for this podcast. And this question I've actually had to think about a lot recently because um, thanks to my dad and many other people in our lives, we haven't had, we've, we have faced struggles, but we haven't had, uh, it, a lot of our struggles are very personal and we're not shared with our parents, funny enough. Um, <laughs> the hardest thing for me has been easily... Um, Always representing, I, I know this is going to be a cheesy answer, always representing God and what everything I do. Um, and that has been something that I have grown into a lot recently. Um, things like speaking habits and how I'm supposed to change and how I'm supposed to interact with people. I've had uh, conversations with uh, other people from other religions and I think, and people from my own religion that go sour because of the way I speak sometimes. And it's been incredibly difficult for me to figure out how I'm supposed to, because uh, I've hurt people and people have hurt me in how we speak to each other. And over the last, it's really been six years is this, in this struggle is creating a way for me or creating a worldview that allows me to represent Christ as best as I can. And that has been incredibly difficult, very, very painful. It's been something me and my wife have talked about a lot, and uh, I imagine it is only going to get harder as I have to represent that worldview more holistically later in my life. <laughs> I can't tell you how um, how straightforward that answer is. Um, that's... Uh, um, Yes, that is not going to get easier as things go along, son. Um, I, same question for myself. Um, I, I've thought of this more in terms of an event, uh, the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. And that was, it's a very simple and straightforward thing. Um, it's something I would, I'm glad I got to do. I wouldn't want to not do. Um, but it's, I would actually call it twofold. Um, I delivered the eulogy for both of my parents at their funerals. Uh, in 1998, my dad uh, passed away in a car accident um, while my parents were on the mission field, uh, working with uh, First Nations up in uh, Canada, Ontario, Canada. Uh, my mother was injured in the accident, um, lived quite a while after that. And then uh, just uh, three years ago in 2017, she passed away from cancer. In both cases, I, I was the one member of the family of my brother and sister uh, and my mother with my dad um, that everyone agreed I was the one to stand up and speak. Uh, that, was, that was tough. Uh, at the same time, I can't imagine not doing it. 
Um, it was something where uh, I felt like uh, God had, had gifted me in the situation where I could stand up, I could be calm, I could relay what I wanted to convey. Um, and even though um, I had strong emotions, deep emotions, painful emotions, um, that in the end, I could stand up and I could be clear and I could uh, lay out a framework where the gospel could be shared uh, in, in both uh, funerals. Uh, the gospel was shared uh, with with people that were there, um, and you know, for me, looking back on that, I, I um, there are lots of hard things I've had to do. None, none of them are, you know, my my dad's funeral was shoot like over eight hundred people at it, uh, close to a thousand, I think, and um, uh, my mom's was several hundred. They both were influential members of their church and. Um, People came to to see it and, and to to share with the family what was going on. Those were those were difficult things. Um, it's, it's interesting, Daniel, that we both pick very different things. I I chose an event. You you chose an ongoing battle. I you know I, one of the things I would you know I want to kind of explore in that a little bit this this worldview per thing. Uh, man, I I'm older than you. I've I've. Uh, you know, seen you from the time, you know, I held you when you were first born. Um, and now you're out your own household, newly married, all of that. Let me tell you, I, I have just as strong about battles with my worldview now <laughs> as I did when you were born. Um, how do you anticipate that going forward? What, what does that make you, you, you know, that's a lifelong battle. Um, what, what makes it tough? What makes it hard in your mind? A lot of things that have made this battle incredibly difficult is how uh, particularly I interact with everything around me, how I interact with my wife, how I interact with friends and fa family, how I interact with um, just conversational topics, how I interact with my own, like my future. I want to go into law, for example, um, and like how I interpret um in re relationship with people and that really has been difficult for me because I'll, i like <laughs> as a sinner right we struggle a lot with um what uh, everything around us and that has been very very like how do I explain this? It's been, I know it's going to be an ongoing battle because I have been challenged every, like, even if I'm still in university, I've been challenged in every single class with something different. And I know as I go further and have kids of my own and have conversations with people uh, in a whole nother field that my worldview is going to uh, change, but I want to be consistent with my faith in Christ. And that has been incredibly incredibly difficult um this has been i i think this is going to help me this podcast is not going to help only our viewers it's going to help me uh structure how i vocalize my faith and i think that's really really important so i'm really looking forward to how this podcast goes out 
But the big thing for me is how I interact with sin and sinful people and my sinful self. And uh, mm. that is very, like, um, I kind of, I want, I kind of want to give an example, but go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I, one of the conversations you and I've had, and I don't think you believe me when I say this, because you and I've had a little bit of the, of that discussion before and not, not to this extent, even that we're having it now on a podcast, but um, we've talked about it before. One of the things I've told you is that you at your age speak with far more grace to other people. And it's particularly those who aren't of the household of the Christian faith. You speak with far more grace than I did at your age. Um, so, I, for, from my from my perspective as a parent, um, I'm 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 thrilled that you see that as a battle within yourself and one of the toughest things you need to face because I think it's one of the things that every Christian needs to wrestle with. Um, how do we how do we take our worldview and display it in such a fashion um, that uh, God is glorified, that Jesus is made known, um, that we can be lights in the world around us. Um, yeah, good, good example. Give me an example of what you mean. Um, so the example that we, uh, we I have really recently, um, and I'm like, this is, this is an ongoing thing. Um, and like, uh, th- this has, this is people interacting with the world and people interacting with me and, like we set rules for ourselves, and we have to be consistent with our rules for ourselves and how we interact with uh, people when you're when you're alone, uh, people when uh, when you're alone with one person, people when you're with a group, and how you interact with people. And one of those things recently for me has been uh, swearing. And I actually brought this up in a Bible uh, class that I had today. Um, I was like, how can even my interactions with my friends and um, because I'll be honest, I, I swear a lot with my buddies and we joke and banter with each other. And it's not like we're, I, I, I don't feel like I'm, I, I actually ask the question, am I misrepresenting God when I swear with my buddies? And that has been um, really, really difficult because when we, when we speak, I want to be that that biblical character. I want to be that biblical uh, friend of theirs that understands and can help them if they have questions or are facing a difficult time. Um, and that has been really like that's been something uh, I've battled with recently because it's language and language matters. And I I want to make sure I'm graceful and this. Not something I'm going to really use here, but like how I interact with other people has been really, really important to me. Um, yeah, so. I I know exactly of, of what you speak. Um, so the question is how to how to take that and transition into our our topic that we wanted to talk about tonight. Um, and what what I would kind of <laughs> um, Any believer um, who is even remotely honest with how they look at the text of Scripture, how they look at uh, the way that that impacts their life, looks at it and goes, "I want to be, um, uh, I-, I want to be a servant of Jesus. I want to be someone who can be used by Him for His purposes. 
to see people come to Jesus, to help his church grow. Um, I, I want to be someone that can be used by God. Uh, the way that your mom and I have always phrased that with you and your siblings um, is, and, and in essence, this whole discussion that you're having, even this, this battle that you would acknowledge goes back to this principle that we wanted you, each of you children to be a first generation Christian. What that meant in, in our hearts and minds, when we said that, um, you know, back for your mom and I, when we were, when we were dating and it goes back to a conversation my dad had with me all the time. My dad in essence was a first generation Christian. He came from a really challenging home and a really challenging home life. God got a hold of his heart and began to change him. He came to Christ uh, six months after he left home because he had to. Uh, I'm not going to go in, into detail on it, but to say that, man, I cannot count the number of times I heard my dad pray for his family. And before he passed, uh, all but two of them had come to Christ. And they both came to Christ within a couple months of, of his funeral. Um, and my dad got what he prayed for. It was, it was a wonderful thing. But one of the things that he always talked about with, with, with me and my brother and my sister, and then that, that your mom and I turned around and talked to you about with your brothers and your sister is this idea of being a first generation Christian in the old Testament. What you see the people of Israel do is, um, they're in sin, they're worshiping idols, they're, they're, they come under the judgment of God, and it's just judgment. It's righteous judgment. It is, in fact, uh, just the fruit of their own actions. Um, it's the when uh, you know half the time I think the judgment of God on people is, in fact, to let them have what they asked for. And when you have a life without God, it, it it's awful, and bad things happen. <laughs> uh, doesn't mean good things are going to happen to the believer. And we're going to get into that in just a second by going to the text. Uh, but when you go to the, this, the, the Old Testament Jew who's, who's going through this cycle, the, a generation would come along that would cry out to God for deliverance. And God would do just utterly miraculous things to see these, uh, his nation uh, redeemed from the, the mess that they'd gotten themselves into, uh, Gideon, Samson, uh, David, um, uh, Hezekiah later, uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of of people who come along that God raises up, and here's this, if you will, this new generation who follows God, and they would tell their kids, and their kids would tell their kids, and those grandkids of that first generation would tell the great grandkids, and by the time you got to that, they're back to worshiping idols again. Why? Because it was just stories. It was just stuff they'd heard. They hadn't wrestled with the things that were true. They hadn't, um, they hadn't uh, lived the experience of seeing God work in a powerful fashion and being a part of God's work and really submitting their life to God's work. Um, and for us in, in talking about this, this is exactly where we wanted to start with this podcast. Um, the first one, the, this this title for this one that we chose is "He Owes Me Nothing," and one of the things that when we talk about a, a sinless Savior in Jesus who comes, he lives a sinless life, and he pays our debt on the cross. Um, he owes us nothing. He came on his own choice 
in his own obedience to his father's will, willingly, uh, I, I would say even joyfully, went to the cross for us to pay the penalty for our sin that we couldn't pay. And I, I want to pick up, and this is, uh, we each have a, a few passages of scripture that are kind of uh, grasp us in this. And I, I want to read from First uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, starting in verse uh, 21. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. For you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. I I look at the difficult thing that I difficult event that I have done, um, events that I have done. Uh, Daniel, you you spoke of this this honest struggle that every believer should have with how do we how do we represent Jesus? Um, Jesus gives us the example in it. Um, by going to the cross for us. And in this passage, it starts just with that. You've been called for this purpose. And what is this purpose? Is this purpose so you can live your best life now or so that you can be happy, healthy, and wealthy if you just claim it? No, that purpose is Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. You, Christian, are called to suffer for Jesus. That's good. That's painful. Yeah. Right? It's true, but it's painful. We we have this this tendency to to um and I I I I do it too. I'm not pointing at anybody when I say we have this tendency. I have this tendency. Um and it's something that um I I'm sure at some point I'll 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 share a story. Man, when God works and he does something only he can do, it's never something you'd pray for. And it almost always, um, it, it's it's watching God do things where he breaks our humanity to give us the spirit of God and the purposes of his son. And that stuff can be painful, but it's so powerful, you'll do anything to keep having it around your life. To get to be a part of it again, um, one of my one of my favorite authors um, has said, "God is in the midst of the crisis, and He is." This this anyone would look at the the hell the cross was to Jesus. Um, he he uh, physically, uh, I, I don't. One of the things when I was pastoring, we did the the Passion of the Christ came out, the movie, and. Man, if you read anything about Roman crucifixion, um, if that movie, The Passion of the Christ, that was the first really to depict the physical suffering that Christ went through in any kind of fashion, it was difficult to watch. But I can also say it was way less than what he actually experienced in that. 
Those beatings, they literally beat them within an inch of their life intentionally. And it reflects some of that. But the idea was is that they often would, would beat a person's back so bad, you could see the ribs showing through the skin, like the bone, because yeah. they just rip it to shreds. The physical suffering is tough, but I don't think that that's what Jesus's actual pain was based on this, uh, this passage in First Peter. I think his, his suffering is, is bearing our sins. Absolutely. Um, one of the verses that I selected for this passage is Luke 23, 24-43. Uh, and I'm going to read. Um, it's a little bit of a longer passage, but I think it's incredibly important for seeing Christ and what he did for us, um, how, how he didn't have to do this for us, but he did. And, um, and even in, in those moments, he's saving people. Um, I'm just going to read from the Bible. Uh, I'm using the New Living Translation. Um, I'm not sure what translation you were using, Dad, but I'm using NLT. Uh, As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from uh, Cyrene, happened to be coming from the countryside. The soldiers seized him, put the cross on him, and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large large crowd trailed behind him, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Days are coming that they will say, "Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless; the wombs have not been uh, have not borne a child, and the breasts that were never nursed." People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For they think uh, for these things are done when the tree is green, and will happen when it is dry. Uh, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. The criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And soldiers gambled for his clothes and throwing di- by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He, he saved others, they said. Uh, let him save himself if he, really, if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with the, these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So, you're the Messiah? Are you? Prove it. By saving yourself and us, too, while you're at it. The other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you, have, uh, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Um, and the reason I read that um, largely is for those uh, last moments with the other criminal. Um, yes. It's because we are that criminal. And that sin we bear is something that he did not have to take on himself. And that pain, one that he faced um, with the thorny crown on his head and the sign above his head, um, was real, was painful, and was so much more as Christians than we could ever imagine. Ooh. Yeah, I the the phrase that, um, and I'm going to read it from the New American, and I'll ask you when, when I'm done to read it again from the NLT, which is a good translation too, um, from verse 40. You, you have the other thief, uh, you have the one that, that basically says, hey, save us, save yourself and save us. 
And the other one says, basically, shut up, dude. Um, verse 40, but the other answered and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? Now, just thinking on that a little bit, you're already sentenced to die is what he says. Scripture tells us we're sentenced to die, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all deserve death. We all face the condemnation of sin that only ever results in death. Uh, we look at it as, well, you know, I, I sin every day and I live. Uh, you're dying too. Um, uh, in the garden, when Adam and Eve sin, the very first definition of death in Scripture is the separation from the presence of God. And as we're separated from that physical presence of God, as Adam and Eve had before they sinned, uh, had opportunity to do, um, death enters. And it wasn't just immediate. It was this, this gradual corrupting of their bodies and their hearts and their minds, and it resulted in their death. Adam and Eve aren't here. The, the thief I, basically says the same thing. You and I, to the other thief, we're under the same death sentence he is. He doesn't deserve it. We're suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So I believe, this is, this is in essence what the thief is saying, I'm suffering on the cross justly. I should be suffering for my sin. I should be paying the price for my sin. You're here, and you're not suffering justly in that you didn't do anything wrong. God's justice is being satisfied because Jesus is bearing that man's sin too. And he looks at him and says, I believe you are the Messiah. Otherwise, he would never have used the phrase, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's I mean, Think about what that means. The thief on the cross is looking at Jesus, who's hanging there with him, dying too. They're not coming down from that cross alive, neither of them. And he looks at him and says, remember me when you come to your kingdom. Yeah. Right? That's good. Um, I, I think it's really big that Jesus said what he said last for the thief and for us. Yes. He said it for us. Um, and I think that's because that's where we're going to go with this with this uh, the sermon is he did that for us and he didn't have to. We deserve what we're getting. We totally deserve the the pains that we go through, uh, the suffering we're called to sometimes, uh, for, uh, all the time, and um, but. The thief, us, when, when the thief looked at him and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom and recognize Jesus as the Messiah, he was saved. Yes. And that representation of our sin, the idea that he, did, he owes me nothing, but he did it for me. He had his ribs revealed on the cross. He was fed uh, sour wine and a crown of thorns is placed on his head. And he did that 
for us, and yet we did not owe him, or he did not owe us anything at all. And I, I want to use um, um, a example that uh, you actually recently gave me, Dad, um, and I think it's really, really important. Um, do kids owe their parents anything for raising them? <laughs> for the record that my uh, my answer to that was no but yeah they don't yeah um yes um but our our father did this for us he gave his son up for us um and yes um as our father he like he did not have to do anything he did for us he if he was the God that some people describe, or in some books even that we read, Dad, um, that is the one who's a bystander. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so I, to me, this is I want to I want to go somewhere with this, and I want to take us back first to our title. Right. He owes me nothing. Um, and we're gonna follow that up with another. O thing uh, to talk a little bit more in our second episode about this topic, but O speaks of debt, right? Yeah. Um, uh, if if I pay with a credit card, I owe the credit card company gives the money to the retailer that I'm I'm paying with the credit card. Uh, it's Christmas season, and I want my points on my credit card, so you know I get free money for that. So we buy Christmas presents on the credit card and we pay off the credit card after Christmas is done. And, um, uh, the, uh, I owe the credit card that money because they put their money out for me. Um, one of the things that, uh, scripture uses this sense of, uh, motivation frequently, um, where, uh, people understand a, a sense of debt or obligation that that people at sometimes have towards uh, towards those who do good for them. I actually that that pains me when I see that um, because that's not the God we serve. He owes us nothing, but he gives to us freely. Why? Because he loves us. And so, which is the greater motivator? Is it um, a sense of I owe, or is it I love? The 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 better motivation by far is I love. Um, I want to go uh, to uh, Ephesians uh, to kind of talk about this a little bit. Ephesians chapter two, uh, verse one. Again, I'm reading from the New American, and this passage is um, just kind of details right into what we're talking about. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, our sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come 
he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, Dad, you not just as a result of works, Could you so that no that? one may boast. I'm sorry. Was I? Was I? Uh, was that just me getting too hyped uh, up reading that passage? Verse four. And just said enough. In the mic. Just a out? little bit. Verse four. Yeah. Just okay. verse. Verse four. I'll have to. Maybe. Maybe I'm overloading the mic or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This passage gives God's motivation for why he acts for us. We're, we're dead in our sins. We're children of wrath. We have a just judgment on our heads, like the thief on the cross with Jesus. And God reaches in and God saves us because of his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. And this is something that um, I'm going to pick on Daniel's siblings. I will try very hard. I, we don't. I don't like when I'm when I'm uh, as a pastor. I never wanted to pick on my kids, um, and I, I, I don't do that to say this. But um, Daniel understands this a little differently because he's the only one of our kids that's married now, and um, uh, we have our our daughter in particular. She would. She says to her mother and I, when we say we love you, she'll say, I love you more. And our response is, well, that's not possible. Um, Daniel, you know now what it means to love another person more than yourself. Because you got married and you have to choose that every day. Absolutely. Right? And that's, that's notice how I put that. That's a choice you have to make every day. It's not an emotion you feel. It's a choice you have to make. And this... Um, this choice that's made, God made, as an example for that, by the way, later, you go to Ephesians 5, the same passage, one of the applications that Paul makes coming out of this is, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I mean, I, I don't really want my back beaten bloody because I love my wife, but, um, and Daniel knows his mother is extremely easy to love. It's, it's, it's not suffering for me to love his mother. Um, but it's not always easy either. Yep. And if, and as Daniel is, you know, as, uh, you and Liz, uh, go on in life and should God bless. And then you have children, you're going to understand real fast that children are one of the ways God makes us suffer. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I, I say that and you laugh as the oldest, but like, I, I'll tell you, like, you know, the, the first two years of a child's life you don't sleep, man. It hurts. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> the, it's, it's a challenge and all the stuff that you learned when the first get married, when that kid comes along, you got to adapt all of it all over again, because 
you know, that baby's going to cry in the middle of the night and only one of you have the necessary pieces on your body to, to feed that child. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there, there's, as we've joked occasionally, there's really only three things babies do when they're born. They eat, they sleep and they poop. That's it. And, um, you know, uh, in, in all three of those things, they cry. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's a challenge. And as a parent, you love them anyway. You love them anyway. Matter of fact, you love them more than you love yourself. And you would do anything for that child to defend them, to help them, to, to, to lift them up, to enable them and, and to empower them. So you want them to, to this, you know, the, the, uh, stereotypical in a way American dream is you want your kids to have a better life than you had. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the things and Daniel, you know, this, that we've prayed for you guys from the time you were very young. I don't want you to have a better life than I have. I want you to be able to, to know God <laughs> more than I have. Um, you know, though I argue that's that, the same thing, but <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is that yeah. exactly. It is the same thing. Right. It, it it is the same thing because that is the better life, right? Um, you know, God loves us to the point. Uh, his motivation, His motivation for us is, um, uh, is not a debt that He seeks to have repaid. Uh, matter of fact, that kind of goes right against the sense of this passage in Ephesians. Uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. I don't get to stand before the throne of God and say, hey, like the other thief on the cross, I earned my way. No, we none of us earn our way. We are um, given our salvation because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do. Our our only responsibility is is recognize and repent absolutely um and i think there's a lot there's so much to that there's so much uh love from our 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 lord and that is that's real that's a lot and the it only goes on to emphasize it only goes on to emphasize that us as sinners, um, we are only saved by God. And we, we face so many things in our lives, um, and we suffer. And then we have this, this, uh, this uh, son of man who has come down and trounced our suffering, right? He has... He, he faced the worst of the worst of the worst. Um, and that is just, like, that is just the example of that, that Jesus, like, Jesus did it for us. And, like, there's so, we're, one of the things that we're, uh, the deeper part of this, we call this the deep podcast. There's so much to, uh, to the Bible, is our relationship with him. The covenant that he made with us that day, right? Paid by his own blood. Um, one of the things that my uh, my Bible, so my Bible teachers talk about, is uh, in the Old Testament, um, Jesus had mountains of 
there they gave I think it was Abraham a dream, and there's mountains of uh, lambs halved, and he walks between them and creates the covenant, but he doesn't require Abraham to walk back through. Yes, and that is what he did for us, except he did it with his own body. So let me explain that that illustration a little bit. Um, the way that uh, they cut treaties in Old Testament days um, is they would, uh, you know, have you know blood sacrifice a lamb, a sheep, a goat, um, and both parties would enter through um, this pathway that was made as a symbol of. Because uh, remember, the, you know, not everybody's literate, not everybody's able to read back back then, and uh, it was a symbol of the two parties agreeing to the terms of the covenant um, that they made. <clears throat> God actually makes Abraham falls asleep, walks through it himself so that Abraham can't come through it with him and says, I'm giving this to you. This is the covenant I'm making with you, this new covenant. And um, Jesus is that sacrificial lamb. He's the one who initiates the covenant. He's the one who does it on our part. It's the promise he makes to us. It is who he is in establishing with us a new covenant in the New Testament that says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. And I've given you this purpose. I've created you. Um and created you, recreated you in Christ Jesus for good works that I prepared beforehand so that you could become involved in my work. That's Mark's translation of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. But it goes right back to this idea of covenant, right? That this is the covenant God makes that God enacts with his people, this new covenant. We are saved not just for the purpose of, of going to heaven someday, but to be the forerunners of the kingdom of God on this earth through the works that God prepared in Jesus for us before the foundations of the world were laid. He knew what was coming. He prepared so that we could walk in them and be a part of what God is doing. Not because of what we do, not because of our strength, not because of our gifts, not because of our mental capacity, not because of our good looks or our smart words but because of what God does in Jesus. Absolutely. Not as a result and, of work, but so yeah, that none absolutely. of us can boast. Absolutely. And uh, this is going to be something that we dig in more uh, with our next episode. Um, because there's two, there's, a, there's another part of this relationship, and it's our relationship with him. This episode focuses on hit what he did for us, right? And um, the, how we are undeserving of it in every sense and um it's and and it's our choice beyond that that ties us to um this 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 christian living and uh and that's why we started with covenantal relationship as our first episode and why why we started everything we're going to do with how god uh, lived for us on this earth, and how he died for us on this earth, and then how we are, uh, are asked to live for Christ. Asked. I, I specifically used asked. And yeah. that's going to be something we very much dive into with the next episode. But yes, um, this episode 
is meant to focus on the fact that he died, was risen to show off, uh, not to show off, duh, um, to show that he was who he said he was. And he came and died for us as that lamb and fulfilled the covenant, the prophecy of, uh, of God to be our savior through nothing else but his own. Yeah. His own uh, One of the things in, that we'll dig into next time um, is what that redemption actually means. Um, one of the things that uh, I think that we as Christians tend to miss all the time is what God made us in Jesus. He calls us joint heirs. He calls us sons. Um, that language is intentional. It's not sons and daughters. He calls us sons. What that means is heirs because in that culture, women couldn't typically inherit. It only would go through the men. So he calls us sons. Um, I think it's fair to say sons and daughters, but joint heirs with Jesus. Um, he brings us into the family of God because he loves us. He makes us family. It's the single biggest act of adoption in human history, literally. And we're going to really dig into that some next time. But the, the sense here in this covenant is that it's God who does it. He acts out of his love, not out of a sense of debt, not out of a sense of obligation, not out of a sense of, uh, of even honor. It is a sense of satisfying his love, his justice, and his holiness in one through what occurs with Jesus on the cross. And we, um, we have this tendency to think in terms of debt, in terms of I owe, and, or even at times, you know, God owes me this. God owes us nothing. He owes me nothing. He already paid everything. That's good. There is I'm no... Gonna... Go ahead. Um, there is no debt that we have incurred that he did not pay on the cross. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we're going to go over a few things after the prayer, um, a few things to help you at home uh, reflect. And uh, this is going to be something we go over uh, every episode. But we're going to start, we'll, we'll start with prayer. Um, let's begin. Uh, dear Lord, uh, thank you. First off, thank you. Um, you saved us um, as our Father. Uh, you didn't, you, you didn't owe us anything. You sent your son to die on the cross for us. And so much goes into that. Um, so, so, so much, uh, so much that what well, one we don't understand is, uh, many in the old Testament didn't. Um, but you sent your son one of the most painful moments one of the most painful to do one of the most painful things on this earth for us and that is the basis of our faith so thank you um we pray that uh we can live by this that uh that you did it out of love and uh 
because you want us there with you. Uh, thank you uh, for this excellent opportunity uh, to share the gospel with people uh, in this format. Um, and please give us... Uh, 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 thank you for blessing our message. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go over a few things before we finish up. Um, one of the things we wanted to do for this show was pick music that you, as a listener at home, could reflect with afterwards. Um, and play. Well, we're we're not gonna play the music, um, but we're gonna give you. Um, songs to listen to. Sometimes it's going to be worship music. Sometimes it might be a hymn. Sometimes it's going to be a psalm. Um, but what, what we're going to do, or sometimes it's going to be a band, uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to give you music at home to reflect with because music is one of the ways we worship the Lord and it's a great way for us to think about what he, uh, how he, what he did for us, for us to rejoice with him. Um, and if you're listening with this with one or more people, feel free to sing, feel free to do what you need to, but what we really are asking you to do is listen to the music. Listen to the Lord. Um, let him let him speak to you. Let him, uh, let him work let him read the Bible and listen. Um, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, the song that we have uh, I, I picked a song. Um, and it's, we're going to start with a worship song, um, because I think it's so vital that we recognize the worship we can be doing for God. Um, and we're going to start with, um, the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, mm. um, by, uh, a song by Salah. I think I said that. Um, and try to find a slow version of it, take it in Breathe in the what they're saying because it's all about how God gave for us, and it, I think it reflects every, why He did it most. Um, Dad, do you have anything you want to say before we close out? Um, no, this is uh, this has been enjoyable. Um, I really enjoyed getting to do this with you, especially for our, our first time. Um, that's a great song to pick. Um, and, uh, that's largely going to fall on Daniel, not on me. Cause, uh, I am musically inhibited. Daniel is not. Um, and, uh, it's a good choice to, to dwell on this. Um, I mean, that's how deep the father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, um, his love for us knows no bounds. There is no bottom, um, it's uh, it's a beautiful song. It fits well to what we've talked about tonight. Well, as as that on on that final note, we we ask you to think on this, to pray on this, to listen to the Lord. Um, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for uh, it, for those who listened for uh, as our first episode. Thank you. Um, and as our last note, uh, just remember there's so much deeper in the gospel. Thank you for listening.